Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in, it's not really rainy Seattle, but it is a little foggy. It's you know misty. Why? No, why? You see that kind of a little bit? What, what oh my of, gosh, that looks gorgeous. It, right? Oh okay, my so gosh, it's like a it's thin stunning. layer, and that's yeah. like the start. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm all choked up about it, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the mixture oh, of rain and snow. Because it. it's getting oh, cold here in the Seattle area, so it's oh. got that like hue. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody knows. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. <laughs> um, I've been producing radio for about 14 years, along with all the other fun, interesting things that I do. But Benny has this incredible view of uh, well, the Cascades. The we Cascades or the Olympics? Those I, are the Olympics. Thank you yeah. so much. We're looking west. <laughs> it is well. I don't I actually look at you and the screen True. and all of that, but just behind me are stunning, gorgeous views, and you can see light shining through. You know, over Bellevue's high rises, it looks really beautiful. And we always talk about the weather at the beginning of this show, so that you will move into the present moment wherever. You are in the world no matter what time of day it is, no matter what's happening, even if it is pouring rain where you are. Um, we're moving into the present moment, which is exactly leading me to um, the author that we get to speak to today. You know, one of the fun things I get to do on the show is to speak to people who I believe are on the leading edge of thought. And this is one of those days again, um, Extraordinary Awakenings um, When Trauma Leads to Transformation by Steve Taylor. He's also the author of The Leap. He's in the UK. Luckily, it's only five o'clock in the UK right now, so he can chat with us in our morning program. Steve is a PhD, is a senior lecturer in psychology at Leeds Beckett University, the chair of the transpersonal psychology section of the British Psychology Society, and the author of many best-selling books, including The Calm Center, The Leap, and Clear Light. Eckhart Tolle has described his work as an important contribution to the shift in consciousness, which is amazing and wonderful, and is happening right now on the planet. So. Steve, welcome to the show. I'm with you. Yes, it's lovely to have you here. And um, what I love, and I I really would encourage everyone to run out and get this book or order it on your favorite um, website and whatnot. What I love is because any way that we can describe how transformation occurs, how consciousness expands, is, I think, um, profound so that people can start to understand those moments that they have. And honestly, Steve, when I was reading your book, um, it just hadn't occurred to me that consciousness could occur. Of course, it can happen at any moment. And all of us who reincarnate to the earth, we hope that the contractual experiences that we inevitably have here wake us up. We hope that happens when we come to earth, right? And of course, we have varying degrees of soul age here on the planet. And so we may have varying different degrees of consciousness or awakenings. But war in prison, I mean, that was really smart. I mean, clearly you're a very intelligent person, but that's really smart. And to put it in context like you have in this book, I think will be... um, disarming for a lot of individuals and hopefully help them to seek the present moment, even though they're not in prison or on a battlefield. Mm. Um, But what brought you uh, to these awarenesses of, I'm assuming, things that patients or people that you've worked with have had? It began really with um, an experience I had myself about 15 years ago when I was was seriously ill 
fortunately for the only time in my life so far I was seriously ill and I was in hospital for three weeks you know you know and a very you know condition condition of severe illness but when I began to recover when my body began to heal and when my energy began to return I felt this immense feeling of gratitude for everything in my life it was a kind of rebirth I felt you know everything that I'd been taking for granted like the people in my life you know the the health of my body the energy that I had inside my body, you know, the, the, na- the natural phenomena around me, everything began to seem more beautiful and real because of this immense gratitude that I had. And there was a new sense of well-being inside me. I mean, I'd, I'd always been a kind of a spiritual, spiritually minded person, but it mm-hmm. seemed to sort of shift my spirituality up to the next level. And I realized that it was a lot to do with, uh, you know, coming close to, to death, which I'd never done before. It was an encounter with death. And so it really it made me think, you know, this 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 experience a lot of people are seriously ill at some point in their life a lot of people go through trauma and turmoil at some point in their life so i began to research other kinds of experiences along the same lines and i found that it it is actually a a common experience you know i just again i think you're extremely wise i I, i've like you i've had a very uh, spiritual awareness of life all my life i've always loved nature and and have been a compassionate person but it was when i was working as an oncology nurse on um, the onc floor that I had a psychic opening, you know? So, so I think that as we become, because even though I wasn't experiencing the trauma, I was with a lot of patients cause I worked in house, you know, so we weren't dealing with outpatients, people who were very, very sick for weeks or months or years or, or died. Um, and, and I always felt that the, our patients were in a form of transformation, whether that meant they were le- going to leave their bodies but a lot of them had a lot of awakenings. It was. It felt like the floor was just electric with, mm-hmm. yeah. with the possibility of consciousness. But that's how my awareness became evident to me, or I got clarity about my own, you know, abilities or consciousness, which everyone has. Everyone has enormous abilities beyond anything they could possibly imagine. But I really mm-hmm. hadn't looked at war and prison, and and I just think these are really profound. And I know I'm kind of parking on these points, but I just think that we need to really look at these individuals as they arrive home from these events, if, mm. if they are blessed enough to do so, you know, to leave an yeah. institution where they're imprisoned for decades or a war for a decade or less, yeah. like, ooh, yeah. what are they like now? Yeah, I mean, but prison in particular is a very fertile environment for spiritual awakening, which I never really realized until I started to do the research and started to speak to prisoners and ex-prisoners. But so many prisoners undergo, you know, significant change while they're in prison. And I think it's it's a lot to do with, you know, when you're in prison, you have to let go of things. You have to let go of your identity because your identity is the person you were outside the prison in normal society. So you have to let go of your relationships, your possessions, your sense of status, your beliefs about yourself, everything. So that, and that's a very painful experience for many people, that letting go. It's really stripping you down. And some people, you know, for some people, that's a breakdown. It's a very depressing, discordant experience. Right. But for some people, it allows something new to be born inside them. You know, when everything is taken away, what are you left with? You're left with the essence of your being. And if you, you know, if you're able to go inside yourself and get in touch with that essence, and if you're able to, to nurture it and allow it to grow, then it can be an experience of spiritual awakening. Yeah, I was, when I was reading your chapter about, um, prisoners of war 
which I found also extremely interesting and fascinating. It reminded me of John McCain, who, you know, was a senator in the U.S. for a long time, a very staunch Republican conservative senator. But yet when it came to Obamacare, he actually allowed it to stay as a legal form of health care in the United States. And unlike the U.K., you know, we don't. Our health care is extraordinarily expensive. You know, it, mm. it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. It's enormous. You know, just to have yeah. a child in the United States could cost, even if you're fully insured, several more thousand dollars that you weren't really? even expecting. Yeah. So so I thought it was fascinating. But he was a prisoner of war in Vietnam for a very long time. And so he walked yeah. across the aisle and, you know, against all of his other Republican, you know, counterparts and voted to support Obamacare. And I, as mm. as you know, and as you speak so beautifully in the book, compassion is something that happens when you become more spiritually aware. You become a more compassionate person. And, yeah. and I think that he couldn't allow this wonderful, you know, act that we have in the U.S. so that people who can't afford insurance could potentially have health care that could, you know, not r- ravage their financial life and make them you know, impoverished mm. when they become ill. So yeah, yeah it's phenomenal. It's about empathy. I think when you go through these these experiences, you have a you become a deeper person. You know, it's almost as if suffering carves out deeper levels of your being. Right. And you and these deeper levels of your being can be filled with more empathy, more compassion, more joy. And also if you've if you've suffered intensely, then you also empathize with other people's sufferings. There's a connection there. Right. Therefore, you know you also have a sense of authenticity as well. And I really do think that a lot of people live at, on the surface of their beings. So you know, they have this kind of superficial ego identity. Right. And they think right. that's uh, their true self, but it's not. It's only a kind of superficial self. Right. So when you go through challenges or crises in your life, then the superficial identity gets broken down and you get in touch with something deeper inside you, something more authentic inside you. Well, you are absolutely correct obviously very, very correct on this topic, but it also makes people become present. You know, when you have to experience pain, physical pain, like when you're in the hospital, and I can't tell you how many times I've assisted physicians on bone marrow aspirations, which are not comfortable, you know, and I would do my best to lead them through meditation even before I even knew what meditation was (laughs) exactly, or to the degree that I could meditate. Um, But to you know, because they can't really numb the entire area. I mean, that's just not possible when they have to do this quick procedure that hopefully will just take mm. a few moments. But it really does help individuals to, I, I think it's these moments where you're in pain, whether it's deep emotional pain or deep physical pain, and there's nothing you can do. I, I mean, I can't imagine being in prison yeah. in a tiny cell. And then when you go outside, you're with other hardened criminals, you know, because I mean, I think of prisons as very violent parts of our culture oh, yeah. right mm. so it just forces right. you you have to pay attention to every little thing which is really what being present is all about yeah you also have to go inside yourself as well if you're in a very turbulent environment you know you, you can't go outside you can't find any peace outside yourself so you have to go inside it's the only place you can go so pr- some prisoners i found that some prisoners also, also some soldiers because obviously warfare is an incredibly turbulent environment too so the only chance you have of finding any peace is to go inside and I found that a lot of prisoners and soldiers would spontaneously meditate. They, w- they wouldn't know what med- meditation was, but they would f- just close their eyes and focus on their breathing and just sort of explore their inner space. And that was the beginning of their, their spiritual journey. You know, you, So your first step inside is often in the midst of turbulence because you're kind of forced to go inside yourself. 
Right. You you write that a lot about in Gus's story in your book, one of the first stories you write about in the book. And he was um, a soldier in, in the war in the Pacific Ocean, I believe it was. And uh, and he says later when he gets out of the military um, that he was meditating, you know, throughout his his time. He didn't realize he was. And of course, he studied meditation and and began to use it in his life consistently. But you're right. It forces you to go inside and inside to your being. But that's where everything is. That's where conscious really exists. Right. And this incredible cellular memory that we have in trillions of, of cells throughout our entire body. It even houses yeah. our awareness from previous lifetimes and, and where we can get really good information about what we learned in those lifetimes, but you have to go inside. That's right. Yeah. You right. have to return to the source, the, the source right. of being. Which is right. Deep, deep inside you. Right. Right. I think it's about acceptance as well. If, if you're in a, you know, if you're suffering pain or if there's a lot of turmoil around you, you can resist it. You know, your, your natural instinct, our natural instinct is often to resist it, to struggle, to push it away. But after a certain point, we realize that doesn't work. You know, you, you have to accept it. You have to open yourself up to it in some way. You have to move towards it. And that, you know, that, that moment of acceptance or surrender is, is often a, a pivotal moment. It, it's often the, the moment when transformation begins. Ah, oh, yeah, it's beautifully well uh, said and written. You also compare this not just to what we consider horrific events in life, but also with monks. Because in a way, you know, they're in prison, too, in a way. I mean, this is probably why I have not gone to a um, a beautiful monastery and meditated without making sound for several days, which I know would be wonderful for me. Um, but, you know, how monks, you know, are very solitary. They don't really leave the area that they are taking care of and and the few human contact that they have. But yet they are very highly aware and spiritual beings. And so this time inward is extremely profound for them yeah it's also about letting go you know in in the same way as prisoners they they you know they detach themselves from all external attachments you know that they detach themselves from possessions from ambitions from relationships because they know that detachments in that sense is you know can break down the ego or prevent the ego from becoming strong and it can keep them in contact with an essential part of their being so the, the essential difference is that they do that by choice, whereas prisoners don't right. have any choice. And they can leave. You know, they could walk away they if they wanted to. Um, I'm sure there is some peer pressure. And plus, there's something, you know, when you can go deep inside yourself and really let go. That feeling is so delicious. You kind of don't want to leave that no. experience. It's so profound. Yeah. And it's a revelation. A lot of people, you know, like I said before, we live on the surface of our beings. Most people do. And our lives are so full of external activity, so full of distractions that a lot of people just never really explore their own being. They never turn inside. So when you do it for the first time, it's a revelation. It's like this whole new world inside you, this whole world of richness and radiance and natural contentment. Right. So, so it's an, an, once you've touched into it, you never really leave it. No, you don't. You're always trying to find your way back to those moments. Like, how can I get back there? I'm going to walk my dog and just look at trees for 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, you just do everything you can to return to that place because not only do you relax and, and make your body healthier and stronger and you start to feel energy, but you get awarenesses, you get consciousness, even to things that maybe you've been perplexed about for years. You might just have a spontaneous you know, awareness to something that allows mm-hmm. you to detach from that event that your brain is trying to resolve, which it cannot. 
you know, over and over and over again in that endless processing that we do. So since the majority of the people who are listening to the show are probably not going to join a monastery, hopefully aren't going to go to hospital anytime soon with some horrific illness, um, probably won't go to prison. And if they do, hopefully it's federal prison and just for like 18 months, you know, something that's more <laughs> joyful and hopefully, hopefully will not go to war um, anytime soon. What are some of the ways that we could um, find those incredible, conscious, phenomenal moments without actually locking ourselves in a bathroom for hours on end. I always tell people sitting on a toilet could be a profound spiritual moment for you if you could lock yourself in the bathroom. Um, so w what are some ways that we could do that? There are definitely some things we can learn from, I, I call these people the shifters, the people who go through transformations in the midst of intense suffering. I call them the shifters. So there are, there are lots of things we can learn from their experiences and which we, we can apply to our own spiritual development without actually going through suffering ourselves. And one of them is, you know, we've, we've been talking about detachment and detachment. I don't, I don't mean it in the sense of being indifferent to things and not involved in things. It means not being psychologically attached to, to, to things that give you a sense of identity or security. So things like possessions or ambitions or status or success, all of these things, normally they, they, they give us a sense of identity. They're like the building blocks of the ego, but you know, when people go through intense suffering, these attachments are broken down. That's why they, they suffer, because they lose their attachment to, to the future, to their status or success, to their sense of who they are. Everything gets broken down. But in the process, the ego itself breaks down because these attachments constitute the ego. So that's, it's an ego dissolution which allows a new spiritual self to be born. So we can practice detachment in our own lives. You know, not, you know, we don't need to be attached to external things like possessions or to our appearance or to our status and so forth, to, uh, to ambitions in the future. We can just let go of these things and just be in the present moment. And we can find contentment deep within ourselves rather than outside ourselves. So another thing is um, a lot of the experiences, like my own experience, which I described earlier, a lot of the experiences were connected to having a, a glimpse of your own mortality, mm -hmm. having an encounter with death. So I've always thought that it's, it's very important to, to cultivate an awareness of mortality. You know, don't push death to the back of your mind. Be aware of it. Be aware that life is temporary. Life is fragile. And it's precious. You know, it's, it's a temporary precious phenomenon. So keep that in mind and you know, contemplate mortality. And that will also give you a sense of, um, you know, a sense of the liberation that these people experience. I think that's such a profound, important aspect because, you know, most, many people in, in the human race don't even look at death, don't even consider it, and don't recognize it's a powerful moment of transformation in itself. And it's something we really need to honor and explore, as you said, um, because anyone could leave the planet at any time. When I work with people who have terminal illnesses, I often remind them, I could be hit by a bus tomorrow and you could outlive me or have a, what we consider a normal lifespan because people can do that regardless of how they've been diagnosed and by modern medicine. So I, I think that is really important. I, I wish we would spend more time really celebrating the whole aspect of, of life, which also includes the transformation of death. So that's a really yeah. wonderful way that, you know, if you haven't had these profound experiences uh, that, you know, have more fear activated in them, which allows us to go inward and you haven't been able to detach, that could be a wonderful way to explore the realm of detachment. That's a great idea. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There was one person I interviewed um, called Irene, 
who are mentioned in the book. Maybe like some of your patients, she was diagnosed with cancer and she had a she had a transformation straight away after her diagnosis because she said it was the first time that she'd ever been aware of the reality of death. It just really hit her that the fact that life is temporary and and fragile. And she suddenly she suddenly felt so grateful just to be alive in that moment, even though she'd been told she had cancer. She just felt this overwhelming sense of gratitude to be here and now. And everything around her looked incredibly beautiful, and the air seemed to be filled with a, a spiritual radiance. So that just came from you know being aware of the reality of death. And I bet she recovered. She did. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, did. so that's what happens, you know, when you can detach, like you said. And see the beauty in everything, you know, because everything is actually stunningly gorgeous. I'm assuming even war, you know, where soldiers can have moments of detachment because they can actually see the beauty because creation created everything, including, you know, chemotherapy and uh, prisons. (laughs) You know, creation Mm. created everything, in my opinion, because everything's energy. Um, But I bet, yeah, my clients who have full recovery, regardless of their diagnoses, which could be very grim and, and, uh, in, and uh, non-curable from modern medicine's perception, it's because they have those moments, you know, where they detach and they can um, let go and get clarity. Yeah, yeah, acceptance. I think it's to do with acceptance as well, you know, sort of rather than struggling and fighting and resisting, just opening yourself and being at one with your predicament. Wow. So I know this might be a hard question, but if you had to choose out of all the stories, and I love stories, I think it's a great way to communicate Mm -hmm. new information for people, because they could get wrapped into it and and kind of put themselves in that person's place for a moment, what would be like yeah. your favorite story to share? If you want to share one, the what the story I find I find most moving is one of the in one of the later chapters. It's a woman called Eve from Scotland who was uh, a very severe alcoholic for twenty nine years after she she started drinking as a child and just became really a really severe alcoholic. And like a lot of alcoholics or addicts, she slowly lost everything. You know, she lost uh, her friends. She couldn't hold down a job. She lost her possessions. She lost contact with her family. She lost her self-respect. So at the end of the process, after 29 years, she was completely broken down. She was homeless, living on the streets. She was shoplifting to try to get alcohol. And she she tried to give up, but she couldn't do it. She'd, she'd been to AA meetings, but just couldn't couldn't stop drinking. And by now, she was only drinking to control her withdrawal symptoms, to stop herself shaking or to stop herself having hallucinations. So she decided her situation was hopeless. She couldn't see any way forward. So she decided to commit suicide, to kill herself. So she jumped in front of a coach that was traveling at 40 miles an hour. But luckily, the coach swerved, the driver swerved. And the police came. She thought she was going to be arrested, but the policeman was actually a nice guy and said, you know, what's going on? Well, how did you end up in this situation? You know, can I, can I do something? To, how can I help? Can I take you somewhere? So the police took her to a parent's house um, and she hadn't seen her parents for years, but her parents took her in and her mother said, um, oh, you're an alcoholic, so I'll have to give you a drink, won't I? So she gave her a glass of wine, but Eve just couldn't drink the wine. She picked it up and put it down again, picked it up, put it down. She just couldn't drink it for some reason. And then her mother put her in front of a mirror and said, look at you, you're an alcoholic, look at yourself, you're an alcoholic. And she said that, Eve said that when she looked in the mirror, she didn't recognize herself. She thought, who is that person? I don't know who that person is. So something had changed. And then the doctor gave her some sedatives to deal with the withdrawal symptoms. And when when she came to, after being unconscious for a while, she felt different. She knew that she was a different person. And she realized straight away that the urge to drink had just gone. She had no craving for alcohol at all. 
And she felt this new sense of reality that everything looked real and fresh and beautiful around her. She felt this sense of empathy that she could actually connect with other people, which she'd never been able to do before. She felt as though she could like feel compassion for other people. And there was this sense of kind of trust or deep well-being inside her. And now it's 11 years later, she's never had any craving for alcohol since then. And she's been active. She, she runs AA groups, helps other addicts. But ever since then, she's been in this state of heightened awareness and this state of intense gratitude. Wow. Uh, that is a gorgeous story. I can see why it's your favorite. And it, it leads us to this whole other population of people because we have so many homeless people in the U.S. Um, and even in Seattle, we have little camps everywhere where people have tents, you know, all along the highways mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, and that they're having their own transformational opportunities, you know, to potentially awaken um, as well just through the act of being homeless. Um, fascinating. I, I think that's just incredibly fascinating. Yeah, it did change my perception. I interviewed a lot of ex-addicts, you know, really severe heroin addicts, you know, cocaine addicts who'd gone through transformation. It really changed my perception of, of addicts, you know, because even the most severe addicts, you know, may go through this powerful spiritual transformation. And maybe their soul is aware of the fact that that could be the vehicle that gets them to have an awakening, just like why some people sign up to go to war, something that I would never consider. I would never want any of my family members to consider, but it can be an opportunity. And our soul knows that. Our soul knows what what could potentially wake us up. Possibly, yeah. It seems to be, some people seem to unconsciously put themselves through a process of loss, you know, a process of desolation in order to reach that point where they can transform. Wow. Beautiful. Well, I love your book, Extraordinary Awakenings, When Trauma Leads to Transformation. Um, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I hope you get home and have a lovely dinner because it's 5 p.m. <laughs> in the UK right now. And thank you, Steve, so much. Uh, your work is you, lovely. I know a lot of people will enjoy this and will help them to transform into their own awakenings as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Yes. Bye-bye. And thank you again, everyone, for listening to the first half hour of the show. We're going to take a break right now, and we'll be right back. This is Marie Mandicherry, and I'm thrilled to offer once again my psychic coaching program. Starting this winter, January 10th through April 4th, for 12 beautiful weeks, you will join like-minded people, and we will work together to learn proven, powerful techniques so that you can harness this incredible energy in your life forever. You can use it personally, you can use it professionally, or you can use it for both. For more information, visit energyintuitive.com. We all make promises, big and small. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to help you when you're in need. To be considerate and caring. To be your loving, faithful friend. Partner. Child. Parent. Neighbor. One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran going through a difficult time by visiting maketheconnection.net. 
Hi, this is Kevin McDonald with Positive Talk Radio. Wait, what? No, you're not in a time warp. Positive Talk Radio is back on KKNW, featuring the same fun, uplifting program I created 18 years ago. And now we are back Mondays at 9 and Wednesdays at 4. I hope that you will join me in a whole group of terrific guests and positive, inspiring content, all designed to free us from hate, division, and fear. That's Monday at 9 and Wednesdays at 4. We'll see you then. Hello, this is Marie Manucheri, and I'm bringing back energy healing coaching this winter, every Wednesday, beginning January 12th through March 30th, between 5 and 6.15 p.m., 26 lovely, aware, conscious individuals will come together online to learn how to read their own and other people's energy. If you've ever wanted to have a practice in the energy medicine world, you definitely want to join this program. You will learn that the energetic particles that create your anatomy and physiology can be felt, seen, and heard through one's unlimited multisensory awareness. Please join me so that you can expand your consciousness and learn how to heal yourself and also facilitate others in the healing process. For more information, please visit energyintuitive.com. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. Welcome back to the Marie Manu Chair Show. We're live here in Seattle, and we just had a lovely interview with Steve Taylor and his current best-selling book, Extraordinary Awakenings. So um, that was really fun. I, I learned a lot. I mean, of course, I've always thought when people feel so sorry for the homeless, uh, maybe because I have a family member who's been homeless and is addicted to drugs, um, I, I, of course, I want everyone to be safe and well-fed, and I, I would love all of that. But like in our family, that person just doesn't want that. They, they just don't. And I think we need to honor the decisions that people are making. And again, we don't know what their soul wants. Their soul might be craving an experience so that they'll wake up because souls just really, really want that. They want you to wake up. They want you to expand. And before we come here, we go, just do whatever it takes. I really want to have an an awakening in the human or in the physical world. So yeah, fascinating, really, really interesting conversation. So now we're taking calls. We are. We are. We are. <laughs> yeah. We are. We were. We're, yeah, we are. It's we been are. 30 minutes since hey. I've said something. So. No, yeah, I, I totally get it. <laughs> I got to shake my right? mouth yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> You're used to talking a little bit more often, right? A little sooner, right? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> a long night as well. 877-825-8828. Were you wrapping presents? Was that it? Yes, I was, Marie. Yes, oh, that's exactly you, what happened. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay, okay. So let's go to those five. Okay, lines. yeah, okay. <laughs> Jess from Bellevue, welcome to the show. Oh, thank Hello, you so Jess. much. I'm so excited. Hello. It's like an early Christmas present. Yay, thank you. Oh, hang on just one second, Marie. Uh, she said hello and thanks, and let me switch it so you can hear. Okay. Now you can. <laughs> hello, Je- Jess. Yes. Hi. Hi. Marie, Marie. I, just, I just said. Talking to you and Benny is like an early Christmas present. Oh, you're so sweet. And I was actually wrapping presents, real (laughs) presents last night. Not unwrapping anything. I was wrapping uh, toys for the kids. You know, now that all my grandkids are like a year and older, I get to buy all these really cute toys. And so I've been having, you know, deliveries of 
you know, Daniel Tiger this and Camping Kitchen that. Just and don't give it away. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the kids, can't. they're so little. They don't know. Their parents uh, know. No, their parents know because they, you know, we communicate back and forth. What about this? What about that? What do you think of this one? Yeah, that's great. You know, so it was very fun. But I have to say I have now finished all my Christmas wrapping. I've even ordered Christmas dinner. I'm not going to cook. Wow. I'm shocked. I've never not done that. Um, that means cooking. So I'm already. So what can I do for you, Jess? Um, I will first thank you to you and Benny for the show and sharing your gift with the world. Oh. I have a question. Well, I'm following my intuition on asking the right question. I want to know how you see my boys in their relationship healing. Okay. And so how old are these boys? These fabulous boys who I've done my Christmas shopping for them also <laughs> um, are 14 and 17. Oh, so they are younger. They, they feel older mm-hmm. to me. Are they like responsible kids? They're responsible kids, and they've been through, we've had some life experience. Mm-hmm. We find gratitude in it, but they lost their dad oh, a couple of years ago. I'm so sorry. And um, my older son came out uh, oh, in January. Great. And I, it, it's fabulous. He's it is fabulous. Phenomenal. You know what they I just have been through. They've been through it. Right? Yeah. You know what I yeah. love about how we're changing it? And of course, we live in one of the most liberal parts of the U.S., and so not everybody gets to live in a community where they're like, hey, great, you know, when you come out or, and I remember like, uh, just when my grandchildren are walking around the house, we don't think about, oh, they're all going to get married and have kids. We're like, oh, and we wonder if they'll love men or women or both, you know, we don't know. And I love that we just have that open, free flowing conversation, not only for, because we're aware, obviously, and we welcome those conversations, but just in front of our kids too, that we're not pattering them to make certain choices. So I really want you to um, celebrate yourself that your child has felt free enough to make whatever decisions he, they, whatever want, right? Um, whatever yes. they want to. I just, I think that is a freedom in itself that we are not following these projected lines because what we really want is for everyone to be happy. And that is a personal decision and a personal experience. And it means different things to, to different people. I think your kids are yeah. doing great. But I think I'm seeing, and I, I know this is weird. How long has your husband been dead? Um, he passed away in September of 2019. Yeah, so not very long. And so I feel, I'm sorry that I'm going to refer to him in this way, but as an intuitive, I just have to follow the intuition. I know that sounds really weird, but he come, he's standing right behind you, about two, two to four feet, and he's asking me to describe him as your ex-husband, even though he's not your ex-husband. You know, he has... You became a widow because he passed away when you were married. But I think he's trying to get you to, unless you already have, and he's honoring that decision, to have you go, okay, I I was there. I was in your life. But even though I will always be connected to you and the boys, always. Like, he's done his own Christmas shopping on the other side, which is adorable. (laughs) Um, But he's not your husband any longer. Do you feel that way, too? Do you feel that detachment? Uh. I think I hold on to it for various reasons. Okay. Maybe out of, yeah. So now I know why he made that so prominent. He underlined it. He made the words large. Yeah. Because, and of course, you know, uh, grief is a very personal experience. You get to take all the time you want and, and allow yourself to have whatever realm of that experience that you want, but to also realize that he is now your ex husband. Instead of thinking of him as your husband, which is such an interesting word in itself. 
You know, I see people right. who are in relationships before they get married and they have this autonomy that's really kind of cool and interesting. And then they get married and then they kind of don't have that autonomy anymore. It's very bizarre. That's why I think when people get married, they should have very weird weddings, bizarre, crazy, <laughs> so they don't go down this, you know, kind of uh, predictable path. So um, do you think that you could kind of think of it that way that, you know, but he's forever connected to you and the boys forever and ever and ever. He loves all of you. He will always spend time with you and do things with you. But that in your case, he is an ex-partner, not a current partner. Yes, I, I see that. So he struggled with depression and alcoholism and I spent a long time and actually you were the a significant game changer for me oh. in deciding to leave. Oh, so you left I the was, marriage before he passed. I did. Oh. I did. So did you I was going da- I was going down with him and so Very good. So so is that is it true though that you have been thinking of him as your husband since he passed? Yes. Oh. Yes, you're so right on. Yeah, you're yeah, you're right on. Cuz I think sometimes we feel like especially if someone has a tragedy after we leave them or leave a company or you know move out of a neighborhood and something happens, we kind of feel guilty a little bit or semi responsible, yes. you yes. know. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 So that's what yes. he's trying yes. to tell yes. you. Yeah, cuz I don't remember yeah. previous conversations <laughs> that I have with people, even clients, you know, I just don't remember. Yeah. Um so okay, great. So he's your ex-husband. If you could think of him that way in your mind, um, he, he wants me to tell you thank you for continuing to express the beauty about him to the boys. He loves that. He says, I, I could never do it myself, and I obviously didn't know how to show up that way. But he loves that you continually express the beauty um, about him to the boys so that they will incorporate more and more that into them and resonate right. to him in that way, you know, because they are men, so they share, you know, that gender identity. So. Good. Yeah. Okay. Ex-husband, keep it going. Okay. Okay. Right on. Thank, Thank you, you so much. I love you guys. Love you Aww. too. Thanks very much, Jess, for joining the show. 877-825-8828. Go and clear that one out. And sorry, Marie, I'm going to oh, get squared okay. up I'm here. Just, no, I'm we'll... just taking a breather here because <laughs> I have been to. talking a lot. Is it Elena, a... I believe? Elena from North Carolina? Elena. Um, Elena, I'm going to go with that. Is that... Hi. Hello. Hello, Elena. Yes. Yeah. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. And are we? I have a simple we, question. Well, let's. We, we may not get through several. Just one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just try no, to. I, keep... have, I no no no. But I said I have a simple. Oh, oh simple. Simple. Oh. Sorry, we couldn't hear you. Well, that makes it you. easier. Yeah. Great. Thanks. What, I know. What can I, I do for you? Um. Okay. Last night we had a visitation. My husband and I Ooh. from a spirit. Uh-huh. And he turned on the um, the light on the toaster oven. We were sitting in our dining room, just <laughs> our dining room. We could see over in the kitchen. The light in the toaster oven went on, and I saw a spirit cross the counter, and it was three feet long, two feet wide. Wow! And then it hit um, a little bit of a paper towel that was moving around, and it went away. Wow! So there's someone who wants to tell something. <laughs> so is your is your father living? I have three dead fathers. Okay, so this is definitely my father, my, okay. This ahead. is definitely a dad, and this I'm going to describe him to you. He's a little okay. quirky, slightly uh-huh. uncoordinated, kind. I would call him kind, and desperately trying to communicate with you. Does that hit any of those dads? Um, the first one died before I was born, but he's come to me elsewhere. I don't Mm -hmm. know if he's uncoordinated. Just Um, slightly, just slightly uncoordinated. Not bad. Okay. 
<laughs> the maybe the third one. The third one yeah. was a doctor, uh-huh. and I loved him very, uh-huh. very much. Uh-huh. The second one was a complicated relationship, and the yeah. first one came to me and actually saved my life once Ooh. when he was dead. I, I'm sure it's not the first one because you already know what that feels like and you can identify it. I think it's the third one. And even though he was a physician, a little quirky, yes, slightly yeah. uncoordinated, you know, just, <laughs> you know, kind of like that absent-minded professor, you know, oh. you know, you know, yeah. I mean, smart, intelligent, kind, oh, very, very, very he was a kind. Renaissance man. Oh, yeah, he, very, he was very kind, very, very, very kind man. And- yeah. So he sure, so he says, thank goodness you understand the spiritual world beyond what I understood before I left my body. And I'm, he feels like he's a newbie when it comes to the spiritual world, even though he was very yeah. respectful of people's yeah. perceptions. And, yeah. and he says, I'm trying so hard to let you know that I am here. I adore you. I love you. And I thank you for all the fun we had because you guys had a lot of fun. You know, you enjoyed each Aww. other enormously. Aww. So he says, it's going to be a trip in the dark for me. He goes, because I'm just going to trip over the cords and there's really no cords. But people on the other side are trying desperately to learn how to move, some of them, to learn how to move energy in the physical realm when they're not in a body anymore. And if they were having a little bit of a difficulty in the physical form doing it, it can kind of come through. So he goes, I'm going to come to almost every dinner and hang out with you and your family. I'm just giving you a heads up. That's what he says. He goes, so there will, there will be more awkwardness and weird things that I turn on and off. And he goes, but I know that you will love it and you will know that it's me and that I love you so, so, Aww. so much. Aw, well, yeah. thank Great you. question. You're welcome. You're okay. so welcome. He's blowing you kisses, just tons and tons of kisses. Aw, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. And I love Steve Taylor, by the way. I'm a big fan. Oh, yeah, you, as you should be. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the show and have fun. Okay, thank okay, you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks very much for joining the show. 877-825-8828. And we'll now take Julie calling in from the Iowa area. Hi, Julie. Hi. Hi, Marie. Hello. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? This beautiful day. It is. Go- yeah. Well, our we still have a little bit of that light, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it, it's. Well played. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what can I do for you today, Julie? Um, well, first I would like to know if I had how many spirit guides I have. And then mm-hmm. I have a medical question. If okay. I, could ask. I love medical questions, by the way. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to make a little announcement now that Julie has brought this to my mind. You know, my 2022 calendar is completely full and has been for months, I believe, something like that. And we're about to open my 2023 calendar this week or next week. We're working on it because uh, we're working on it because I'm going to go back to my original um, client uh choosing and that is that people who have serious health issues will be um be able to move into my 2023 calendar and i know that's going to be hard for some of my clients who were health were sick and are now healthy um and and they like that connection but i i really want to be able to create space for people who have serious health issues and if you are um not experiencing that, then please take a class. Please join an online forum. That's going to help you to move through resistance a whole lot faster than the lovely conversations we've been having for years. <laughs> That'll help you to, to let go of whatever you need to let go and really move forward. So thank you, Julie, for helping to remind me of this decision that I've made. It's taken me a while to make it. That's why I ha- did not open my 2023 calendar yet, but I've made it. So now go ahead and uh, you have 18 <laughs> guides, by the way. Wow. 
So yeah, right? Double digits. I wish I did. I only have three. Um, whether that's bad, good, or indifferent, I would love to have double-digit guides personally. So 18 in, in numerology equals nine because we always want to make it, have it move down to a single number. And um, nine, when people have nine guides, there's a metaphor for it. And the metaphor is that you don't want to come back to earth too many more times and have experiences in this physical reality. So you only have, you know, uh, I don't know if this will be your last time that you venture into earth for a while or forever, or it'll be, you're going to come back a couple more times and go, Hey, I'm not going to come back anymore. I don't know which one it will be, but that's what you're working on. Wonderful. And you mentioned the class. I really yeah. wanted to take you into it a class. It filled up before I could. I, so I know. Got, I uh, know. No, I just got done with your, Shift Network oh, on thank Tuesday you. night, so thank you. You're welcome. That, that was, was so fun. I'm going to do an advanced course for the shift in February. I'm based on that yes. class. And we will be opening up my courses um, for the fall of next year. I, I will teach two more additional courses. So hopefully you'll be able to get in there quick because I only t- I don't take more than 30 people. That's why they fill up so yeah. quickly. Um, yeah. And, and I'll think about doing a bigger forum as a possibility for those classes as well. Okay. I really want the smaller one. So okay, I'm great. I'm going to do the second one, shift one, but I, I'm looking forward to Right, it's really it's nice to have class. the interaction, right? And we do have that yeah. with the shift, but obviously when there's 500 people on a live call, I can only speak to a small percentage of them. All right, so what's the, uh, ment- uh, the, the medical question? Medical question? Yeah. Yes, I went to the doctor for the first time in three, like three years. Yeah. And so I had, I guess, this that I want to remove. Well, now I've had a biopsy on it. Uh-huh. And now I got to go back to the doctor for the third time. But also, another question she wants me to have a colonoscopy, which I have it. And I just like your thought on your well, I, necessary. I think it's energetic. I mean, energetically, anything going on? Well, yeah, uh, you're taking energy into almost all of your chakras. So I'm hoping that um, the biopsy is going to show that everything's fine. I'm hoping, right? You know, like, like I don't have an energetic reason to think otherwise. I just want you to know that. I actually, even though I've never had a colonoscopy, I've done, done the Cologuard. Um, so you, that's an option, although not all insurances cover it. So keep that in mind because it's kind of an expensive test. Um, and that does pick up like 98% of most, you know, uh, cancer potential problems but um the colonoscopy is kind of a cool test because and so i think it's cool can't tell you why i haven't had one yet um for sure because i (laughs) I actually like hospitals and i like medicine but it um because it can get it can help detect uh polyps which are like precancerous growths and they're very slow growing but they can remove them and and so it's a really great preventative exam um, the only thing I, I'm not thrilled about um, colonoscopies is I don't like the prep they use. If you have a naturopath or someone in your life who's holistic, there are more holistic versions of prep. Not all um, GI doctors will let you use them. So you kind of, if you're decide to do a colonoscopy, then I would look for the um, the prep that is recommended by holistic practitioners and a doctor that will let you use it because. Drinking like soapy water is not good for the intestinal tract, and that's basically what it is. If we were to break down all the ingredients, it's just not good for the aligning of the intestines, and that's why you have a hesitation for it. So I would look for a prep, um, and they are there out on the market. I don't know what their names are, but naturopathic physicians know, and then find a GI doctor if and when you decide to have the exam who will let you use that prep, okay? 
Okay. Yeah. So I think it's going to be Very benign. Um, but, you know, um, uh, but we're all sending you beautiful, gorgeous love about that as well. Okay. Thank you very You're much. You're welcome, and I'll see it. you on the shifter in a um, coaching course um, next year. I look forward to it. All right, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Julie, for joining us. And see, folks, that's what happens when you snooze, you lose. You can't. Oh. You got to get into the <laughs> the programs here. It's, it's and hard. The, and the they show. go fast. Yeah, they go fast. Luckily, the shift doesn't have um, a limit, so I think we had 898 people mm-hmm. in our class. The most the very first class I taught on the shift, and I don't know how many will be in the advanced course, but if you missed the first course, they're going to be bundling it. I just recorded um, the, um, I forget, the promos for that. So I'm sure the shift will get those all edited and start creating um, the framework so that people can sign up to the advanced course, which will be all about cellular memory. Um, and I'll talk about that more. But I bet Benny wants to go to a break. Is that what you want or you want to just keep uh, going? Go straight through. Okay, let's go. <laughs> All right. Darcy from Seattle, welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Marie. Hi, Benny. Hi. So hi. Great to talk to you. Oh, yes, Darcy. And I'm enjoying the shift, so I'm a little behind, and it's because of my fatigue. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. So, you know, fatigue is a third chakra issue. Did you know that? You know, I didn't. Okay. But I'm. My memory's not so good right now. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. So the third chakra is all about self-love. So the more you can fall in love with you, and remember, self-love is actually an experience. It's not a thought. Like everybody thinks it's, oh, I, I, I love myself because I have a thought in my mind that I love myself. But it's actually an experience just like, um, like Charles, my dog. He sleeps on my bed almost every night, and he sleeps upside down with <laughs> on his back with his paws up in the air and pretty much you know his private parts practically on my face it's not a pretty picture at all I have to like I have to rotate around him right and he's like 60 pounds I can't move him but I so it's uncomfortable and and all this kind of you stuff. take his bed then or is that I should you he should. has You'd this be like, huge, all right fine <laughs> he has this huge tent because Charles is really Aww. tall he's this partial he's a big standard boy. poodle right mm-hmm. so he has this huge tent in my room <laughs> and I should Benny, you just answered, yeah, I'm going to go sleep in the tent, you know, when I, but every time I look over at him and I'm like, oh my God, there's, you know, his butt practically in my face. I just still think he's the most adorable, amazing creature I have ever met in my life. And that's how we're supposed to feel about ourselves. We need to have that when we walk in the bathroom in the middle of the night and our hair's a mess and our breath is not great and whatever it is, we need to be able to look in the mirror and go, oh my gosh, you're the most gorgeous creature I've ever seen in my life. Authentically, that's what self-love is all about. So that's what you need to work on. Okay. Um, I had COVID last year, like I'm March sorry. 2020, mm-hmm. and lots of fatigue, and I'm struggling with short-term memory issues and mm-hmm. tinnitus. Mm-hmm. But my doctor, I've been to cardiologists and ER and MDs and everywhere, and no. My doctor said that what I have is systemic. It's either partial or whole body. Have you seen a naturopath? I have, yes. And what did your naturopath say? Um, she was the one that told me that um, that what I have is systemic. Right. So did she give you some remedies to use? Um, you know, I'm, I'm taking some different supplements and herbs and quite a bit, in fact, and everything's mm-hmm. helping. Good. But I just can't seem to pull myself out of the yeah. fatigue. Well, it's, you know, a lot of people are afraid of COVID. You know, I'm one of those people, I love disease. I do. It doesn't matter if it's a pandemic around the planet. I think it's the most interesting and extraordinary thing. I'm just fascinated by disease. I just am. So, so it doesn't scare me, even though am I vaccinated? I am personally because I have four grandchildren under the age of four. 
And I want to be able to come into the radio studio and do live shows. And I can't do that as an unvaccinated person. I, I just, it's not actually something I can do. And I want to travel the world, too. So at any rate, I think what we need to do is make some what-if questions for you. Because you're afraid of disease. You're the opposite of me. Agreed? Yes. Right. So we need to change that. So what if disease is really cool and my body is getting stronger and healthier with every breath I take? And what, the reason why I like this what if question, because your brain is going to go, what the, you know what, the words that <laughs> Benny won't let me say Can't, on the air. Nope, yeah. Don't do it. Don't he'll do get in trouble. Do I won't, but it. he will. And so <laughs> it's true. He would get in trouble. I wouldn't. Not personally, but yeah. I accept But the radio station would I get in trouble, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want you to use that what if question because you need to start anything that we're afraid of. We need to embrace the fear. You know, that's okay. really important. So, and look at your energy already shifted just from that one what if it question. Did. It I did. know, I I'm so proud of you. So you asked me what if, and I felt gratitude. Yeah, I, I love like it. Gummy things and me munching around. Yes, and that's <laughs> going to help the herbs and the vitamins that you're taking to actually work in your body. Because you're going to now start to receive energy. Because when we start to embrace things that we're afraid of, we start to become receptive beings of light. And everything is made out of energy, even supplements. Okay. Yes. And I understand because I absolutely, I miss animals. I miss working with animals. I just, they are like my heart. Great. And I guess I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to help them. And I have so, a little bit of fear around that. So. so you can just say, what if I get to do whatever I want in this lifetime and I am blessed and lucky to be here? Just, you know, start using positive, curious, what if questions all day long, constantly, forever. Okay. I will do that. Thank you yeah, so you're much. You're welcome. Have I a really needed to hear that. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. Perfect. All right, we've got time oh, for one more. I have to say one thing, okay, though. Okay, do that first. Because yeah. Jen is giving me this twice, and I mm-hmm. haven't said it. Mm-hmm. Jen's my assistant, and she gives me this little list. Uh, on January 21st, um, between 5 and 6.30 p.m., I am teaching a class at East West Bookshop. It's a local uh, place, but it's online. We do everything online here, and it's called You Got This. I did some of these um, platforms on my own web um, site um, in the beginning of you know the weird pandemic that we're in. But you're going to love it. It's a 90-minute online workshop hosted by East West um, for me, and this is about self-realization. This online course will heighten your vibrational system and address the vibration of health, money, love, and true happiness. Just go to my website, energyintuitive.com. Go to the industry page, click the link, and sign up. We're going to have so much fun. It's very affordable. It's only $30, so you're going to love it. Perfect. All right, quick call, last one of the hour. Unfortunately, we'll take Tasha calling in from Spain. Spain. Oh, I love it. Thank Tasha, you. Hello. Hi, how are you? We're good. We're great, Tasha. What can we do for you? Um, I love you and I appreciate your generosity. I have been told this summer after a surgery that I may not be able to get pregnant. Hmm. I had an ovarian cyst. I won't go through the details, but sure. blah, blah, blah. And then um, now I am 19 days late, but three pregnancy tests say that I am not pregnant. Interesting. And I... Um, also have a broken rib. I just want to like move through whatever I can to be able to have a happy, healthy pregnancy and baby. Yay. Yay. So, so do you do positive? What if questions for a healthy, happy pregnancy? And you are, and you are going to have to, because the tests are saying that you're not pregnant. Is that what you said? Correct? Yeah. Yeah. There were three home tests. Right. Because those home tests are actually pretty accurate, but not for everyone. Like some people, their hormones may not completely show up enough at the appropriate time. So you're probably, you're going to need to go into a clinic and just verify that you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. But I don't want you to worry about pregnancy. I would just want you, what if I have an incredible family with all the children that I desire? Mm. That's what I want you to use. Let's yep. not talk about pregnancy. You've got too much negative energy about it. 
What if I have a wonderful family with all the children I desire? Okay? Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you for calling from Spain, one of my favorite countries. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. And we thank Steve Taylor for coming on the show today as well. I feel a baby. You feel? Oh. And Benny is very intuitive. I love kids. She's loves. Oh, I'm so excited for her. That's very exciting. So joyful blessings, everyone, and fall madly in love with yourself. Bye-bye from now.